This is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin. What is up, everybody? It is Derek Kirby, and today is a good day. It's a new day and another shot at the title. And luckily for the Dallas Mavericks, they're going to have themselves ample opportunities for shots at a title thanks to re-signing a Supermax contract with Luka Doncic. This is a five-year, $207 million Supermax rookie extension, the most guaranteed money on a rookie extension in NBA history to date. Now, I know Trey Young, my understanding is, obviously, Trey Young signed the same deal a week or so prior, but the guaranteed money for Luka, I think, is higher in this case. Or maybe it's just tied because NBA is all guaranteed. I don't know. Dismissing that detail. The point is, Luka Doncic is here to stay in Dallas. There were fears about it. We talked about them a little bit. There were some murmuring concerns that Luka might only look to do a three-year extension, which would line up with the new TV deal. It would line up with an opportunity to hit the you know, the full-served Supermax at that point, not the rookie extension Supermax, which would be obscene money in three years. Thankfully, Luka does a five-year commitment here. This gives the Mavericks ample flexibility. There's a couple of things to consider here. One, Luka's new deal is going to pay him a lot of money, and it's well-deserved, well-earned. But let's get into the breakdown of that. This is from at Mavs Fans for Life on Twitter. He breaks down the... Actually, he cites Bobby Marks 42 on it, so let me correct that there. But this is the breakdown of Luca's contract moving forward. This next season, he's going to make $10.2 million. The next year is when it really kicks into full gear on this new deal. In 22-23, he makes $35.7 million. The following year, $38.6 million. 41.4 million, 44.3 million, 47.1 million, and uh, that's the last deal of the contract, 47.1 million. Now, worth noting, that is a player option in that year. So we know how the NBA works. Guys can sign max contracts. I'm not by any means saying, hey, it's a guarantee he's here for five years. I think based on what we've seen of him and his admiration for Dirk and his legacy and what he built in Dallas... I kind of get that vibe that Luca wants to to do something similar with Dallas, but even still, in today's game, you just don't know. Anthony Davis could sign a max contract with the Pelicans and within two years be like, yeah, I'm done here. I'm forcing my way out. And then he goes to LA. Like, it just works out that way sometimes. Um, yeah, Bobby Carell, here was that note I had. Mavericks announced they signed Doncic this morning officially to a 207 year million or 200 207 year. That's a long time. 207 million dollar extension, the largest guaranteed rookie extension in NBA history. So at the very least, he ties Trey Young on that, but he's hit more milestones than Trey has. By the way, guys, if you're in if you're in the chat, hit me up. Let me see if you're watching. 
Let me know what's going on. What's what's your reaction to this? How do you feel today seeing that Luka Doncic has signed this new contract? Kevin Gray Jr. of 105.3 The Fan had a question in the press conference for Luka. He basically asked him what he felt about the Mavericks free agency. And let me hear. Here's his tweet. Luka Doncic, in response to my question on possibly having more say in the future on what the Mavericks would look like. Luca said, quote, I know we've made some great moves in free agency, but one of the most important things to win is chemistry. I think that's what we need in Dallas. Now, depending on how you want to look at this, you could say like, oh, is there a veiled criticism thing there? I, I don't know. I think the locker room generally is good in Dallas in terms of like they're liking each other. Is it as tight as Slovenia's national team? I, I don't think so. But that's not to say that it's not a it's not to say that it's not a tight-knit group where people are going to try and look at it and poke and prod is the luca kp dynamic because there have there have been many times where we've had discussions like do they even like each other like do they get along but then you'll see other little gestures like uh when the mavericks social media tw- uh, team on instagram wishes kp a happy birthday luca's liking the comment and i hate 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 that we're at this stage of like sports journalism where that has to be a noteworthy thing. Oh, on social media, he liked this comment that wasn't even his comment or the guy in question's comment, but it referenced the guy in a, in a lukewarm, polite way, and he voiced approval. Okay, but even still, that just is what it is. So I don't know about that. But important to note, Luca does cite chemistry and Came back to that multiple times. Why chemistry is so important for the Mavericks going forward to have success and become an elite team. Mark Cuban, when asked about free agency, said, this is from Brad Townsend, who has this uh, exact quote, said, I think we've improved our team considerably. Now, here's the thing, right? And I, I say, in all cases, take it with a grain of salt. Mark Cuban saying that they've improved the team considerably. What do you expect him to say? I'm, I'm not being critical of the question. I'm saying there are certain questions you ask that you should ask, but you ask it knowing there's no way you're going to get a different answer. What's Mark going to say? Well, you know, we thought we could have gotten Kyle Lowry. We see reports now that we were his second choice. Ha! And we were willing to meet his full contract once. Ha! But he chose Miami instead because even though he was intrigued by Dallas and Luka, he wanted to play with his friend Jimmy Butler in Miami. Okay, there is that. But Mark's not going to say those things. Mark is going to say, hey, I feel pretty good, or I feel good about the moves we made. And to be fair, if we're looking purely from a statistical standpoint, and this is me playing devil's advocate here, here are the shooters Luca has surrounding him now. Sterling Brown, this is all based on last season. Sterling Brown, 42.3% on 4.2 attempts per game. Reggie Bullock, 41% on 6.1 attempts per game. Maxi Kleba, 41% on 4.2 attempts per game. Jalen Brunson, 40.5% on 2.9 attempts per game. Dorian Finney-Smith, 39.4% on five attempts per game. Tim Hardaway Jr., 
39.1% on 7.6 attempts per game. And Kristaps Porzingis, 37.6% on 6 attempts per game. There are shooters there. If you look purely in a field goal percentage stance and the, the attempts, and that's why this isn't a crucial detail, and shout out again to at Mavs fans for life on Twitter. Uh, when you give it that context, it tells you there are shooters. Now, do they have the secondary ball handler that can take some of the pressure off Luka where he doesn't have to have the obscenely high usage rate? No. And that's what Kyle Lowry would have brought to Dallas. I don't have a problem with the signings of Reggie Bullock or Sterling, uh, or Sterling Brown or re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. even. My problem is that I don't feel like we did enough to help Luka. The burden still weighs heavily on him. You saw in the regular season, he has to do everything. His usage rate is like the highest in the league. Everything goes through him. And by the time you're hitting the postseason, that's going to be a factor. The first two or three games of the series in particular, Luka was unreal. Now, he cooled as the series wore on, even though he still continued to put up big numbers. The efficiency wasn't always there. And that's something where it's just like, yeah, you got to have that guy that can take some of that pressure off of him. Now, maybe Jason Kidd can, as a coach, figure out how to do that, but he doesn't really have the pieces, I would say, realistically. Let me adjust my camera here. The pieces, realistically, that I think he would need to do so. What up, JJ? Best thing that happened all this, all this offseason, he says, the Luca extension. I agree. But they got to figure, figure that out. That remains an untapped market. And speaking of which, on the what is he supposed to say thing, I understand uh, a Slovenian reporter asked a question regarding interest in fellow Slovenian Goran Dragic. He's in Slovenia. He's expressed interest in playing for Dallas. What are your what talks have you had about him and possibly acquiring him? What can you do in that regard? And Luca, Mark, all them were kind of mums the word for a moment, and then Luca kind of just said, like, I don't think we can answer that. We don't want to get fined. Because that would be tampering. It's NBA rules, if you go up there and you basically say, yeah, we're gonna we're looking to acquire Goran Dragic. It it's weirdly in the tampering category. It's not even like they're talking about specifics. Like, well, these are the deals and terms we've discussed. It doesn't even have to be that. It, it could be anything. Magic Johnson can get fined just for saying like, for being part of the Lakers organization at the time and saying like, oh, this guy would look good in purple and gold. That's all you gotta say, and you you get fined. So, in this regard, they play it down. It's well stated, though, what the Mavericks' interest is. That said, with Goran Dragic, they don't want to pay the $19 million player option he's owed. So he is set to, met with, uh, to meet with Toronto during summer league play, figure out what the hell his picture and future looks like there. He's not going to want to play in Toronto. He's just not. Like, he is, he is a, uh, an older veteran, 35, 36 years old, he doesn't want to play for a rebuilding Toronto team. Because of that, I would say more than likely he's either dealt or bought out, but people around Toronto say there's no reason for us to buy him out. Like, that doesn't make sense for us. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, 
Mavericks are interested and they are believed to be a front runner, but they're not going to trade a, assets to then also pay him $19 million a year. Uh, I say a year. It's the last year of his deal. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in that regard. But back to this press conference here. Before the press conference, when it was announced yesterday that they had verbally at the time agreed to the deal as of this morning was officially inked, Luca's statement uh, after the verbal agreement was as such. This is from ESPN. It's a statement issued to ESPN. Quote, today is a dream come true, Doncic told ESPN via statement. The game of basketball has given me so much and has taken me to so many amazing places. I am humbled and excited to remain in Dallas as part of the Mavericks and appreciate the support of my fans. Along with this new contract, I am also happy to announce that I am increasing my effort and focusing on expanding the Luka Doncic Foundation. My foundation is an international nonprofit that will give back to places that mean so much to me, like my home country of Slovenia, as well as the communities of North Texas. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Partnership with the 2K Foundation. Refurbishing my childhood courts where I learned the game and practiced. Yeah, it's... It's an awesome thing. You see guys do this sometimes. Dirk did something similar in Germany. And uh, it's a really cool thing to pass the torch and kind of rebuild or improve, enhance these courts and these kind of uh, within the community and everything in that regard. So, you know, pave the way for the next Luca, or if it's in Würzburg, the next Dirk, however you want to view it that way. So that's a that's a cool thing there. I, I like Luca's perspective. I also like the fact that he specifically cited Dirk. He said that Dallas has become like his second home, and he never had a doubt in his mind he was going to sign the Supermax. Well, he didn't say Supermax. He was that he was going to re-sign with Dallas. Never had a doubt in his mind. He says Dallas is like a second home to him. And he even kind of like made a joking reference towards Dirk, which we know how Dirk at this point, Dallas was always a second home to Dirk, and now at this point it's just his home. Like that's that's where he calls home. He never it's not like he went back to Germany or anything like that. And Luca kind of said like it's a second uh a second Dirk, which he's just referencing how like for Dirk it was a second home as well. And um it's another illusion as we've seen. We know Luca has a lot of admiration and respect for Dirk and what he meant to the to the city, to the franchise, all of that. End of the day, you got to find a way to win. And that's what's going to determine his long-term future in Dallas. But at the same time, I think the fact that Dallas did have that infrastructure in place with Dirk, the fact that Dirk and Luca were able to play together a year, one, it, it feels unreal to even like remember that happened in Luca's rookie year. But it was so perfectly suited because it's a perfect passing of the torch. It allowed Luca to see the 41-21 one. Uh, tribute and memorial and all of that. Uh, not memorial. That makes it sound like it's a a passing of some kind, like a funeral. But uh, got a chance to see that whole celebration. There you go. There's a better word. Um, tribute to Dirk. And I think that had a lot of impact and influence. Now, KP was also there uh, at the time, which was cool. But uh, it was really cool to see Luca experience that too because you could tell he was kind of swept up in it, like, wow, these people really love this guy. And he experiences that in his home country of Slovenia. But to see how a second, a second home and how adopted and ingrained in that community uh, he could become, it, it kind of built a perfect blueprint for Luca 
to feel an extra sense of attachment because he has been given this kind of task of like, all right, you're the guy now. Dirk was who our face was, who we were built around. We're moving immediately to you. It's a big challenge and responsibility, but Luca has handled it marvelously to this point. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're happy. <laughs> you're happy to have unbelievably stumbled right into this position. And you're also happy that because of the franchise's loyalty to Dirk and his kind of largely storybook ending, even though the last few years the Mavericks weren't relevant, and that's <laughs> on Cuban and them, you still look at that and say, all right, well, that's really awesome that they had this infrastructure in place that allowed Luca to see this and kind of feel this extra connection to it because it definitely seems, and we've seen this in multiple times, Luca talking about whether it's Dirk or referencing back to the franchise. He seemed, it, that resonates with him. He references, you know, the importance of Dirk to the city and franchise and that kind of feeling of attachment and his respect and admiration for Dirk is much stronger now as a result. So that bodes well for Dallas. But again, end of the day, it's going to come down to, can you win? And although I think the Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown signings are good, I think this was a higher expectation offseason. And I don't think Dallas, despite... Mark Cuban himself in exit interviews essentially saying, hey, we know what we need. We need to get a secondary creator, someone that can take the ball out of Luca's hands and put less burden on him. We need to get a second scorer, specifically use that phrase, a second scorer on this team. Well, that's not what KP is, and that's not what we think he should be used as. And then to come back and when you realize you're not going to get what you wanted or hoped for in free agency, be like, Oh yeah, you know we, you know we'd like to get a point guard, but we've already got a pretty good one. That that's a way to kind of like welch on everything that you promised and in, insisted that you were going to do. So that's how you promise and then don't deliver, and you kind of try to change the framing of the discussion. But even still, this is a huge thing. Just like you know, we can talk about the fact that the KP deal thus far has not panned out. That's totally fair. But at the time when the Mavericks signed him, a five-year extension, max contract, that was the biggest contract in Mavericks history. Now, obviously, this is the biggest. But uh, at the time, KP 5 for 158 was the biggest contract in Mavericks history. And we viewed that as like, look, I know they didn't, they re-signed a lot of their own guys and they got KP to agree to the max contract, the five-year deal. That's huge. We viewed that as like, all right, it's not a, it's not a change in terms of personnel, but it's a victory for the offseason to lock that down where now you've got your one and two secured for the foreseeable future. Again, that one hasn't really panned out, but that was a victory. Even if we want to say in hindsight, like, oh, maybe it would have been better to play the qualifying offer and then we reconsider. The thing is, man, that next year is when you saw bubble KP. So if you didn't sign, even if you played the qualifying year that year, after bubble KP happened, he was going to get the max contract anyway. Now, with Luka, you've got a huge victory here that definitely takes some of whatever perceived bitter taste you might have in, in your mouth as a fan base regarding free agency and how it kind of went down. You now have a little bit better feeling because you know, hey man, Luka's here. <laughs> Luka's here for a little while. 
Things can change. We've seen that in the modern NBA. But I think Luka is here for, at the very least, a couple more years. Um, hopefully they can keep him longer. But they got to do something. And that's kind of one of those things Luka referenced in the press conference that there have been discussions with, uh, with Mark, Nico Harrison, Jason Kidd, the Mavs brass, basically, that was there, essentially saying they understand that he, that Luca understands he's going to have to approach things a little differently. I referenced earlier how when you put everything on his shoulders, he can take you incredibly far. He is spectacular, sensational. But eventually you're going to hit that barrier. You can't play an 82-game season and then go into the playoffs and continue having everything when it's now at a higher, more physical level focused all through you and not wear down. I think he did wear down as the series progressed. Now, he still was sensational and tried to rise to the moment. And you could say, hey, man, if his teammates show up in Game 7, he closes the deal. He closes the deal and they get out of the first round. You could say that. But his efficiency wasn't quite the same after the first few games of that series. And I think you kind of saw it even in the Olympics, right? Drops 48 in the first game. Still is incredibly impactful and has timely baskets in the rest of the, in the, rest of the run. But it wore down on him where the last couple of games he wasn't able to score and produce at the same level. And it's just because everything was having to go through him. Now, he had great teammates with shooting and timely baskets. Toby, you know, I think Toby's going to get a crack at the NBA now. But you had all these things going well for Slovenia, but a lot of it was still having to go through him. And I think you need to find a way to take some of that pressure off of him. So... He says those talks have kind of happened. He didn't specifically say like the, the crux of it, like, hey, it's about lowering your usage rate, but that uh, what he needs to do to help the team win, those talks have started. So that gives you a little bit of insight there. Uh, let's see. Luca's agent, Bill Duffy, said he believes that Luca is the best player in the world already and that he will be so for the next decade. Um... He admitted or acknowledged that in the draft process in 2018, they specifically wanted Dallas and that they kind of maneuvered to help that happen. So that's another thing to consider. It's not just that, hey, Dallas picked Luka and then, oh, hey, look, Dirk happens to be here. No, they, they knew. They knew that. They knew that with Dallas's history, obviously, when we say history, we're talking about not just the the decade plus of success they had through Dirk's prime, but also, you know, the greatest in the NBA, greatest European player of all time, Dirk, the first ever European-born MVP. And they knew specifically that would be a good, a good franchise in which he could step right into that would kind of know how to maneuver and handle all of that. And that would be a great fit. I think that's largely proven to be true. I can, we can say what we want about the front office and how they have built the roster around him. I think it has been unequivocally uh, inadequate. I don't think you can say otherwise. Yes, they've had guys play above their heads with Luka because Luka largely raises the shooting percentages of his teammates by getting them good looks. That's great. 
but you're still asking a lot of guys who are either undrafted or not exactly highly touted players to continually play above their head. And while they can do that and they can have success, you are eventually going to run into a brick wall where you can't keep ascending higher. And so for Dallas, I would say you have to find that either second scorer or that second creator. And, you know, maybe it is in, in some form or fashion in which it maybe materializes. Maybe it is for a, a brief spell, Goran Dragic. But again, because of Goran's age, I don't know how long-term of a fix that is. And I think Dallas is going to have to get very aggressive in this because the the clock is still ticking. Yes, Lucas signing the extension buys you a little more time, but I'm not backing down from my belief that this is the most crucial offseason in franchise history. Now, by virtue of getting Luca to sign the extension, you've cleared a major hurdle. But now next summer, his extension is going to kick in and your salary cap, your books are going to be a little more difficult to maneuver. So either KP has to play like you thought KP would play or you're going to be hard-pressed to build around a team that has both him and Luka um, on, on the roster. And I mean that in the sense of you can't then viably find a second guy unless you're willing to cut bait with a lot of guys on your roster as is. And Dallas has the books other than that because you also got the Hardaway extension, right? You got the Hardaway's new deal as well. And he took, I think, $18 million less to come back to Dallas. New Orleans offered him a ton of money. It was either 16 or $18 million more than Dallas offered. And he chose to come back to Dallas. Now, had Miami been willing to pay him that, that's his hometown team and everything, I think he would have gone to Miami. I do. I think the fact that Miami realized they could get Kyle Lowry and knew that that was a good friend of Jimmy Butler's, I think that was like, oh, no, 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 we're going to go this route. And so I think at that point for Hardaway, it was like, yeah, Dallas is largely what I, where I want to be. Do I want to go play in New Orleans? Yeah, they got Zion, but man, that franchise looks really discombobulated right now. Yeah, I'm going to stay in Dallas. I like my fit here. So you're going to have expensive an expensive three-headed monster in that regard in terms of contracts after this year. And if you're then saying, hey, we got to go find a second scorer, you're going to be hard-pressed to make that work unless you were to then move KP. So, with that being the case, I think Dallas has to figure out something very soon. Uh, and uh, Bill Duffy also credited, this is just something that name popped, uh, made it grab my attention, also credited Donnie Nelson uh, for helping make Luca to Dallas happen. I like that uh, we don't just treat Donnie Nelson as if he's person non grata. We don't just pretend he didn't exist or something like that. They're still acknowledging how vital and integral he was to the franchise. Famously, Donnie Nelson worked, at least through Mark Cuban's entire tenure, without a contract. He basically just went about business as is his entire career as a general manager in Dallas, which predated Mark Cuban. Donnie Nelson's the only GM in NBA history that can say this. On one night, he acquired two future MVPs, which totaled three MVP awards. My fingers were not in frame for what you see, but I saw them. That's because he swung the draft night deal with Milwaukee for the rights to Dirk Nowitzki and 
having previously been an assistant in Phoenix, knew he was interested in backup point guard. By the way, he was also a big voice in them drafting Steve Nash. He then swung the deal with Phoenix to bring in Steve Nash the same night. Only GM that can say he acquired two future MVPs in the same night. And he was right about Giannis. Mark was just dumb about that. So make of that what you will. Donnie Nelson, we can talk about the recent stretch of years after the title. Totally fair. Totally fair. But you got to put some respect on his name when you talk about his overall place in the history of the franchise and what he was able to do. So that's the general rundown from the Luka press conference. Never had a doubt in his mind he was going to sign with the Mavericks. Happy to stay in Dallas, increasing uh, his Luka Doncic foundation, his efforts on that front, which will not only build courts in Slovenia and, you know, this nonprofit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not organization. I mean, it is, but effort? That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's a synonym for it. Uh, this basically effort he's putting forth, not just in Slovenia, but in Dallas. A lot of great stuff he's doing with that, giving back, which you like to see these guys do. It shows he's got a, his head on right. He's got his mind very much still built on the community and in giving back. And that's I think that's very good. You want to see that kind of effort from them, uh, from your young superstars. So we will see what comes of the Mavericks' future. As much as we might say that the free agency period was kind of like, eh, you might have gotten better, but eh. As much as you might want to say that, at the very least, signing Luka to a max contract definitely has to make you say, all right, well, that was good. That was good. That changes my overall opinion. I might have said like a C plus before. I'm giving you a strong B plus, A minus now just by virtue of how critical this was. Imagine if Luca had either, I, mean, I don't see any scenario where he wouldn't have signed something, but imagine if Luca had said, I'm taking a three-year deal with a player option after the second year. That's pressure. That is immense pressure. Not just in the sense that you might only have two or three years, period, uh, before you can prove that you can do it anyway. But at the same time, that's immense pressure to know you're operating under that gun. And it would have changed our feeling. We would have been like, okay, well, they re-signed him. That's good. But man, you've really, really got to do it now. Now, at least this way, you're like, all right, we got to figure this out. We have to get it going. But... We have a little bit of wiggle room where instead of having to take a giant leap, we can take solid steps forward. We don't have to swing for the fences and be like, oh, okay, Dragic at 19 million and this free agent and throw a bunch of money at a guy who would be big, big risk, big reward. Where it's like, hey, we're paying him a lot of money and we don't even know if his fit is perfect, like a Lori Markin. Uh, that kind of move where it's like Dallas is interested in Laurie marketing and I understand it, but it's a questionable fit, not just next to KP, but in terms of how he could fit within the offense. So things like that to consider. If you felt that pressure of a three-year deal, especially if there was wiggle room in the third year for a player option, then you would probably see a much more desperate maneuvering from Dallas where it's like, Hey, even if we're guessing wrong, we're just trying to show him that we're taking the initiative and that we're willing to make these big moves. 
Now, with a little bit more wiggle room, with a little more time, presumably, you can at least say, mm, that's an interesting talent, but we're not convinced of the fit, and that's a concern. And so you take a different approach where you can be a little bit more cautious in your maneuvering. I'm not saying don't be bold. I'm just saying don't say, well, that's a big name we can acquire. Here's a perfect example. Perfect example. Rajon Rondo. The 2014-2015 Mavericks were a historically good offense. Their starting lineup, the glaring weakness, was point guard. Jameer Nelson was your starting point guard. Monte Ellis, Chandler Parsons, Dirk Nowitzki, and yes, Tyson Chandler. That was your starting lineup. The Mavericks were an extremely prolific offense and had just enough defense, thanks to Tyson, that you could reasonably think, hey, this team could make a run at a conference finals. Then midseason, they decided, you know what? We can go acquire a superstar, a young, still a young superstar, in Rajon Rondo. Oh, how does that raise the ceiling? Suddenly we get another floor general? We get a defensive stalwart? Yeah, let's go do that. They didn't consider the fit. Because Rondo next to Monte Ellis was terrible. Both guys need the ball in their hands to be effective. And then, sometimes when things start to crack, when you start to kind of break up the foundation and chemistry, again, a keyword Luca used a lot in this press conference, when you kind of interrupt the flow of that chemistry, you open door for other things that might have annoyed guys to kind of bubble to the top. Because after things started to fall apart with Rondo, whether it was his clashes with Rick Carlisle whether it was the locker room getting sick and tired of him as well. As that kind of came together, then you started hearing like, oh, by the way, when you gave Chandler Parsons a big money deal as a restricted free agent from Houston, which by the way, the fact that he was a restricted free agent is a big part of why you had to spend what you spent on him. But when you did that, Monte Ellis kind of looked at that and said, uh, bro, I'm not cool with Chandler Parsons making more money than me. Like, you got me initially on a, a pretty damn cheap deal because it was a short-term thing, but you haven't secured me. And now I don't like that this guy's making more money than me. That bothered him as soon as they signed Parsons. But until Rondo disrupted things and kind of broke that locker room, you didn't hear it bubble to the top. That is the kind of thing I'm talking about when I say, like, it was a big swing for the fences. Like, holy crap, look at the name we can get and the kind of talent. But they didn't consider the fit. And so you took a team that was a viable team, not saying they were a championship team necessarily, but you took a team that was a viable team and you immediately broke it up. You blew it up. And whereas you, you gave up on the championship team without giving them a chance to defend and you let all those guys go and sign in trades or just leave in free agency, period, here you did even worse. Here, I, actually, I don't know. I, I guess it's maybe not worse, but here... It's that you meddled with what you had and you broke it up. So something to consider. I think that's a benefit you have. You don't have to take that super risky move that, hey, maybe it pays out and it's great, or maybe it ruins everything. You don't have to make that kind of move because you feel the pressure. Salute to Smoke Dog, our new subscriber. I've really got to resize that window or move it at least. Ah, well. But yes, that wraps up my impressions from the Luka Doncic super max contract, a five-year, $207 million super max rookie extension 
with the Dallas Mavericks' biggest contract in Mavericks history, and uh, well-earned, well-deserved, unquestionably well-deserved. The question now is going to be, what can Dallas do to build around him? Sean Ireland, what is kids coaching staff? What's up with it? Uh, they're still working. He's reached out to J.J. Barea and Tyson Chandler. Again, this franchise, as they try to move forward into this new era, they find themselves looking back at the title team a lot. And I don't know necessarily that that's the proper approach, but hey, Jason Kidd's already here. We know how, how big of an influence and positive factor J.J. Barea was to Luka Doncic before. And that's why, in hindsight, I think it is correct to say it was a mistake to not re-sign Barea last year, even if he didn't even really play. But with that being the case, I would say, you know, they're they're going to go this direction regardless. Whether or not Kid can convince JJ and especially Tyson to come back, Tyson got screwed over by this former front office twice. And say what you want about a new GM and new head coach, all right, fine. But Mark is still there. And Mark is who makes the decisions when it comes down to money. We don't know if Donnie Nelson, you know, he, maybe he was in lockstep with Mark on trying to go get Dwight Howard and Darren Williams, and so he wasn't willing to re-sign Tyson Chandler. Maybe. But he got screwed over, he feels, and at least one of those times very unequivocally screwed over by the Mavericks front office. He's the greatest center in franchise history, was integral, the missing piece to the championship, the lone championship in Mavericks history. And yet, he was never, when it came time to cut the check, he was never taken care of and shown their appreciation. That's a damn shame. It's a damn, damn shame. But uh, I don't know if he would be willing to come back. I can tell you this, if he did come back, it's a phenomenal ad. I really believe that. Tyson, as a head, not as a head coach, excuse me, as a, as a coach on kids staff would be a phenomenal addition for the, the tough-mindedness, the holding players accountable. He didn't care who you were and what team or anything. If he, if he felt like you weren't working, he was in your face about it. And sometimes that's what you need. He didn't like it. Even if Dirk was going through practice and uh, was too loose, he thought, he would kind of get physical and challenge him and make him rise to his level of effort. And that's, that's incredible when you can have that. Now, there is a balancing act. That's a more old school mentality than you see today. I'm not saying that exact approach could work uh, now, but I think he could bring a lot of tough mindedness that the team frankly lacked after they went up 2-0. Had that big, like, what, what was it, 30 to 11 lead in game three. As soon as the Clippers erased that lead, I felt like the Mavericks never really got back control of, uh, of the series against the Clippers. So. Something worth considering there. So I don't know. I, I do like the addition of Igor a lot. I think that's a brilliant move by the Mavericks. Luka's former Real Madrid coach and everything. And he was the coach of the Suns, too. It's actually amazing that the Suns... Now, granted, DeAndre Ayton has panned out great for them. But uh, it's amazing they hired Luka's former coach the year Luka was coming to the NBA and then also didn't listen to them, listen to him about taking Luka, and they took Ayton instead. Now, it's, again, it worked out for them. Aiton's a beast, and they looked phenomenal in the, their finals run. But still, it's, uh, it's good experience to add. It's another guy that Luca I think, highly respects and will listen to. Luca does like... Um, Luca does like Jason Kidd. 
They've had limited interaction, but you go back to like the 2018 All-Star game and they had uh, a lot of conversations there, a lot of um, not just pleasantries, but they seem to like each other. And even though Luca hasn't really voiced a whole lot of uh, support or whatever one way or the other on Kid, there's no reason to believe he has a negative view. If he had a negative view of Kid, Dallas would not have hired Kid. So all things to consider. But we'll see what ends up happening with that. Again, I think Tyson and Berea, even though I'm critical of trying to look to the past when you should be looking forward, I do think Berea's influence and uh, Luca's willingness to listen and learn to and from him is invaluable. And I think Tyson could bring a very strong mentality that this team has lacked. And that's not to be critical of any one player or group of players. That's just to say, as a as a cumulative uh, culmination, those traits aren't there. And to be fair, they weren't there in 2010, 2011, before Tyson arrived in Dallas either. There's a reason why, after they blew the 2-0 series lead in the 06 finals, they only got out of the first round once in the next five years. It required that kind of guy, Tyson, the guy with that kind of presence and what he could bring to come in and take them to that next level, to instill those... Uh, those values and that new tough-minded attitude and culture. I, I think you could get that as well as a coach, and I'd love to see that on this team. But that will do it with my time today. I've actually, I'm actually running late for a online remote meeting, so yeah, I gotta wrap this up real effing fast. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to like this video, leave a comment below, subscribe to the Dallas Prospect, and until next time, guys, remember... Every legend was once a prospect.